Today on the show, I've been DMing with a little known celebrity on Instagram and they've been replying. Madam Webb is apparently the worst movie ever made. Plus, I saw Taylor Swift in Melbourne. Kind of. All that and more on 20th Century Boy, the show that thought the Macarena was a pasta dish. century boy my name is mikey swift and this is the inside of my mind think about that in an alternate universe instead of taylor swift imagine if it was just me and it was mikey swift instead that would be absurd what an absurd alternate universe that would be anyway putting that aside i'm radio mike a writer and producer from here in australia just trying to make his way through life. And this is 20th Century Boy, a podcast by me, Radio Mike, the guy from the podcast, not Mikey Swift. And it's the conversations you wish you were having about the stuff that no one else cares about. That's the general conceit of this pod. And welcome back. Well, welcome back if you're, uh, if, you're, if you're returning to the podcast as a listener. Welcome front if you are a new listener. And if you are a new listener, you're probably thinking right now, what the fuck have I gotten into? What is going on? What is this Mikey Swift business? What is this welcome back, welcome front business? And the truth is, I don't know, but welcome along for the ride. Uh, uh, You you can get in touch with this show anytime, by the way. RadioMikePod at gmail.com. Would love to see your emails or any way way you want, really, just to get in touch with me. Send me a DM anywhere. You know, just type in RadioMike. You will find me. RadioMike.com.au, by the way, my website um, I realize it needs a lot of maintenance. I haven't used it in a while. It needs a, it, it really needs to be touched up. If anyone wants to help me with that, um, I would be I would be eternally grateful. Hey, I wanted to to say a couple things. Um, the first thing, and then there's a lot to get to today. Obviously, we'll be talking about Taylor Swift very shortly, so stay tuned for that. But I wanted to t- talk about um, if you if you are a long time listener of the show. Um, Last year, I told this story about how I went to work in South Melbourne and at the cafe below my work, the Prime Minister of Australia, Anthony Albanese, was having a coffee. I was like, oh, that's weird. It's the Prime Minister. And then I started uh, chatting to like the security team from the Australian Federal Police or whatever, who were just like watching over the Prime Minister while I was there, right? Crazy stuff. Anyway, the other the other night, I'm out in uh, in Abbotsford, which is like the suburb next to me. I just went, I, I got some drinks as part of this like meetup event for creators. And as I was leaving, this, this is, this was so absurd. As I'm leaving, this guy comes up to me and to be honest, I don't really recognize him. He's like, oh, Mike, Mike, how are you? I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. Hey man, good. And he's like, oh, I don't know if you remember me. Uh, I don't know if you remember meeting me. And I'm like, I don't, sorry. And he's like, oh, I'm the I'm the security police officer that was looking after the prime minister that day. We met in the cafe. And I was like, oh, yeah, of course I remember you. That was like the highlight of my year, seeing the prime minister getting coffee with a dude called Frank or something in, in the cafe below my work. And this guy's just remembered chatting to me there. It was crazy, absolutely crazy. Got a few things um, coming and I want to talk later in the pod as well about uh, the 
the way my content is going to continue to evolve in 2024. Stay tuned for that. Um, I've got another blog post coming tomorrow, which is um, going to be interesting because I'm heading to the Gold Coast for the weekend. I haven't told anyone that. Going to the Gold Coast for the weekend. Going to check out. Uh, going to like just relax, but I'm also going to. Um, I'm also going to be chilling and going to some of the theme parks and like talking and going on some of the rides there. But um, one thing is, I realized that. I'm I'm really scared of roller coasters. I'm gonna I'm gonna be writing about this in my blog, uh, radiomike.substack.com. Go read it or go subscribe. The relationship that I see between roller coasters and my fear and anxiety. I think it'll be really interesting. So go on to the Gold Coast on the weekend, so it should be good. Um, and I'm really looking forward to just relaxing. Funnily enough, tomorrow at the time of recording, the Thursday, we're recording the first episode back of Hamish and Andy. Um, so we go and do record the first episode. And then that day I go on a holiday for the weekend. Like I really have a pretty crazy life. I actually just bumped a friend of the show, Sam Garlep on the street. And like, it was, it's a Wednesday morning at like 10 AM and we're both just in t-shirt and shorts walking up to get a coffee. And he's like, we really need to get proper jobs. And I was like, yeah, probably. Anyway, uh, haven't done this yet this year, so this will be the first edition for 2024 of this segment. All the Ryan's that you sent in. This is uh, just where we read out some uh, a couple of uh, write-ins from the show that you guys have sent in. Uh, first one is from Radio Biggin. Thank you for writing in. Uh, it says, and this is in relation to a few weeks ago when I talked about the Apple Vision Pro. And I think I talked about it last year as well when it was announced. And I think I said that I thought it was definitely going to fail. And then this year I said, I definitely think it's going to succeed. Go back and listen to the apps. But he says, Mike, uh, and and when I said last year that it was going to fail, Big and actually in the podcast Discord, which you're welcome to join, said, I think you're wrong, right? And he, and he replied to that message. He said, I've been hanging out to reshare this. Uh, Mike, you notice this is for release in Australia and it's three and a half thousand dollars, but it's actually not out in Australia yet. I was definitely wrong about that. You can buy it from those grey import companies like Kogan, but it's pretty close to seven thousand dollars on there. Would expect an Aussie price point of about five and a half grand, which is a lot of money. Which is ex- oh, he says, which is expensive, but still not counting it out as a big hit. I don't know. Five and a half thousand dollars is a lot of money. Like the average person just cannot buy one of these. Like I would not be buying one at that price point. That's just way too much money for me to spend. That's like like a month of rent for a lot of people. Like that's a lot of money, put it that way. Uh, Biggin continues, great podcast this week though, man. Sometimes I think I'm a pretty big nerd, but when I hear you talk about Yu-Gi-Oh and High School Musical, you make me realize that I'm not. Well, thank you. I think that's a, I think that's fair. Uh, one, one came in from Radio Kaya. Just came in on Instagram. It says, hi, Mike, have you spoken about how bad today's Happy Meal and Kinder Surprise toys are? Compared to the 90s toys, I just thought about it and it seems like a topic you'd blow wide open. I had to think about this. This is interesting because, of course, uh, Happy Meal from Mac is Kinder Surprise. I I assume they have everywhere because Kinder is like a German chocolate and you get the little toy inside. They also used to have, I don't, think they still exist here, but they were the most exciting part of my childhood. In Australia, we had Yowies, 
Um, does anyone remember Yowies, the chocolates that you used to get from the supermarket in Australia that had a toy in them? They were basically a kinder surprise, but just milk chocolate and Australian. And you used to get like, often the, the toy inside was just an animal, little animal toy that you could build generally like an Australian outback animal, like a wombat or a kookaburra or something like that. These were literally the best part about my childhood. Right, my dad would bring them home from the supermarket, and we'd be like, "Oh my god, yeah!" We had a whole tub full of Yowie chocolates. Seriously, literally a whole tub. Um, as far as Happy Meal toys and Kinder Surprise toys go, between like the nineties and now, I mean, I gotta say, Kaya, like, I think a lot of it is just nostalgia and rose tinted goggles. Because, I mean, I I don't think I see, I don't know the last time I got a Happy Meal must have been when I was a kid. I don't have kids or hang around with many kids or any kids. So I don't know what toys are going in a Happy Meal these days. I have had the, like the very occasional Kinder Surprise egg. And I guess, yeah, I've been underwhelmed with the toy, but I do think a lot of that is, yeah, nostalgia. I think when you're a kid, like you just want anything. Like if you had a Kinder Surprise, you get a toy in it, you're getting Kinder Chocolate, which is the best chocolate and a little toy. That's phenomenal. Any kid would want that. And you look at the toy and you, cause you're a kid, anything's good. You don't know that it's shit, right? I feel like Kinder Surprises were like the, like how do we get kids into gambling? Get them a Kinder Surprise. Like it's a guaranteed prize, but actually no, it's not really gambling, is it? Cause it's a guaranteed prize. I don't know but it really pings kids dopamine to be like, Oh my God, what's inside this little plastic tub. I feel like they're probably the same quality as they were in the nineties. I, I don't even remember many toys that I got in a happy meal. They're pretty disposable to be honest. The only time I've been interested is when a, a few, like last year they had Pokemon cards. And every time I got Macca's drive through, I was just like, can you chuck some of the happy meal Pokemon cards in there? And they're like, yeah, sure. If you just ask them for a toy, they give it. I, I don't think I actually. I don't think the the different. But if anyone has examples of like real strong differences between the '90s toys and the current toys, please let me know. I mean, there's a 30 year gap. I'm sure there's some difference. Um, just before Taylor Swift chat, I I have to tell this crazy story that like I just I just I personally find crazy. I don't think anyone else will find crazy. But hey, that's what this podcast is all about. So. Of course, like, I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of you were thinking, is Mike over Blink-182? Is he going to keep talking about it? And and uh, and to be honest, I'm not. In fact, Monday, 26th of Feb, I'm going again, just in seeded this time, but I had to go twice. I couldn't just see them once. Couple things. First thing is, actually, I might actually do a phone call here if I can get on to someone. Basically, one of my friends from work, Mandy, she's in Brisbane at the moment. And she's staying at the same hotel as Blink-182, which is absurd. Like, I'm going to just ring Mandy right now and just get any scoop, right? Just to see, like, I just think it's unbelievable. She's, like, sent me photos of Tom DeLonge and, like, she said she jumped, she saw Travis Barker at the gym. Hello. Mandy, how are you? I was hoping you'd pick up. (laughs) Good, how are you? Good. You're on my podcast right now, if that's okay. <laughs> well, it's funny because I was just about to message you and say I've, I've had another spotting 
Well, that's exactly um, why I called you. Yeah, so, I think that. So I've just explained to the listeners, Mandy is staying in the same hotel as Blink-182. So can you outline, yep. can you outline it? Like we are the, <laughs> we are the number one Blink-182 gossip podcast in Melbourne, so we need these scoops. So can you just outline the whole thing? So we're staying at this really nice hotel in Brisbane, and I assume it's probably the main like, if you're going to stay somewhere in Brisbane, it's going to be this hotel. We literally came to Brisbane just to stay at this hotel because it's our baby moon. So, you know, it's a treat for us. Congratulations, by people. the way. Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> just so happens that we are here the exact same days as Blink-182 are playing in Brisbane. On the first day that we were here, which was, yeah, on Monday, um, we were in the gym and I don't really look personally don't dislike Blink-182, but not a, not a mad fan. Right? I'm with you. It's like me and Beyonce. <laughs> it's like me with Beyonce. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yes. <laughs> um, so we're in the gym and I just see this tatted up guy, like head to toe, face tats. I didn't recognize him cause I just didn't, I just didn't recognize him. Anyway, I just saw a guy with tats on the treadmill and I was like, oh, wow, he's got a lot of tats. Anyway. And then we walk out and my husband goes, oh, that was that, he actually said, that was that Travis Scott guy. <laughs> Travis Scott. <laughs> we're, we're both terrible at pop culture, obviously. <laughs> and I was like, who? And he's like, oh, maybe it's, oh, no, Travis Parker. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, Blink-182. And then we figured it out and Googled and we said, oh, okay, they're here for the next, like, three nights. And I'm like, they must be staying in this hotel. Inside. Um and then I saw on TikTok that they had, um, you know, Courtney and Travis had been spotted out in Brisbane. So I was like, oh, Courtney Kardashian must be staying here as well. Insane. So obviously we've been on the lookout for the last few days. Yeah. Yesterday spotted, is it Tom De- DeLonghi? What is it's his name? Tom, Tom DeLong, yeah. And he's wearing the, the blue hat that he's wearing in all the press photos. Yes. So literally only spotted him because of the same hat. That yeah. if you Google him, the Google images is all he's always in that hat. So I was like, okay, that must be him. <laughs> anyway, so I did a bit of a um, it was very sad of me, but I did a bit of a a paparazzi, you know, um, what's it called? Like filming him. Yeah, I'll put <laughs> the put my- I'll put the photo that you sent on the screen if that's okay. <laughs> is that okay? Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine, but it's very embarrassing on my part. Um, <laughs> and then um, so that was yesterday by the pool. And it's funny because there's so many, like, influencer-type people that stay here. Like, the girls are all, you know, really done up and, like, fake lips and all that stuff. And so every girl that I look at, I'm like, oh, there's Courtney. Oh, no, that's not her. Oh, there's Courtney. (laughs) (laughs) So I haven't spotted her yet. But then we we literally just left our – if you called me five minutes earlier, I would have been sitting next to – what's the other singer in the band? Mark Hoppus. Sure, him. The one with the spiky hair? Yeah. You were sitting next so, to Mark. Literally five minutes ago, if you called us five minutes ago, I wouldn't have been able to speak because he was right next to us on the next table in the cafe that's connected to the hotel, like the hotel cafe. Like with his wife? With a blonde woman? Um, yeah, blonde woman. And then like a crew, it looked like a crew of, there was, there was like six of them, oh, okay. but he was the only one I recognised. Um, so it must be like, you know, the the backstage crew or the management or whatever. So, Did, did you hear any, overhear any conversation? <laughs> Um, they were chatting about something. I heard the word band. I heard it, like it wasn't really. <laughs> Whoa, I wonder what they might have been talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no idea. Um, yeah, but I wasn't like, I didn't want to be too much of a creep. So no. I, yeah. Well, thanks for doing this pod. 
like the most you're going to get, yeah. really. Well, thanks to roving reporter Mandy Catalano, who <laughs> we sent out, <laughs> we scene. we sent her out to Brisbane to uh, to get the latest <laughs> scoop. She's off to Sydney now to see if she can spot Taylor Swift, but that's for a different podcast. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm just roaming around Australia looking for famous people. <laughs> um, no, thank That's you so funny. much for jumping on. I appreciate it. Oh, the scoop. Anytime. If I'd have any more spottings, I'll be sure to send my paparazzi shoot yeah. photos straight to you. <laughs> Please do. Um, all right, I'll, so see, I'll see you at work. I'm at work yep. tomorrow, so I'll probably – are you at work? You're not at work, are you? You're in Brisbane be, with Blink-182. I'll, I'll be on holiday. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, well, I'll see you when I see you. <laughs> All, right, All right, see you, Mike. Bye. Crazy stuff. But that's not even the part that I was going to talk about. Here's the other part that you probably don't care about as much as me, but I have to talk about. So I'm 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 in the Blink-182 Reddit and someone, Blink-182 were doing their shows in Sydney and someone posts a photo in the Sydney shows being like, hey, here's a photo with me. And again, this will mean nothing to most people, but he's like, here's a photo with me and Steve the drummer from Sum 41. Again, Sum 41, my favourite childhood band, pop punk band from Canada. And he's like, I got a photo with Steve. I was sitting next to him in the crowd. So Steve Jocks used to be the drummer in Sum 41 when I was growing up. Obsessed with this band, obsessed with this guy, right? Steve was the drummer of Sum 41. And I was like, what the hell? Why is he in? Why is he at the Blink One Eighty Two show in Sydney? Like he's Canadian, right? He left Sum Forty One like ten years ago. Anyway, so turns out he lives in Sydney now. He's an Australian citizen, and the reason I know this is because after I saw that photo, I DM'd him on Instagram just randomly. I just di- like didn't expect anything. I'm just and I just said, "Hey, mate, uh, massive fan of yours from like when from way back." Um, I, I just found out you lived in Sydney. Bit stalkerish of me. I'm like, just found out you lived in Sydney. I'm a Melbourne guy, but like, would love to bump into you sometime. Hope you're enjoying Australia. And he's like, yeah, I got my citizenship last week. Thanks so much. And I said, mate, I'm, I, I saw you at Soundwave 10 years ago. They were epic shows. I'm uh, like, I love you guys. He was like, thank you so much. Glad we could do some positive in the world. Love in Australia. So I've just like... DM'd like one of my childhood heroes who now just lives in Sydney. So if you're in Sydney, if you're a Sydney listener, keep an eye out for Steve Jocks, the former drummer of the the Canadian pop bunk band Sum 41. I actually was going to be like, hey, can I interview you on my podcast? Just see if he'd like chat to me. But anyway, it was weird. Okay. Now we have to, we do have to talk about Taylor Swift, don't we? We, we have to talk about Taylor Swift and... um. Here's the thing. Taylor Swift is bigger than the Beatles. Taylor Swift is, I think, the biggest superstar to ever be in this world. And that was proven to me over this weekend when she was in Melbourne, okay? And I'm talking as, like, a guy who, like, casually, maybe a little bit more than casually follows Taylor Swift because I'm really into music and like the music industry. So like I listen to all her records and stuff, but generally speaking, like I hear like her big singles and like, you know, I've always been somewhat interested in her, but I would say very casual, didn't go to the shows, but I did see her. I'll explain why in a sec. So 
It is phenomenal what Taylor Swift did here in Melbourne. She sold out the MCG three times. I think there were 96,000 people at each show. Let's round it up to 100. That's 300,000 people in Australia, in Melbourne, went to that show. To put it in perspective, and like, happy to say this, like Blink-182 sold out Rod Laver Arena five times. Rod Laver is 15,000 people. Right, so that's what fifteen times five, fifteen, thirty, forty-five, sixty. That's seventy-five thousand people. So Taylor Swift in one night is doing more than like any other group in five nights, right? And again, everyone's saying show was best night of my life, life, incredible night, right? I just loved it. What she achieved, though, like I live across the road ish from the MCG sort of don't come looking for me unless you want to hang out. That'd be cool. So naturally that night we walked just to the MCG and like, we'll just check it out. Right. Absolute madness in the best way, but absolute madness could not believe, have never seen anything quite like this. Right. Because tickets were so hard to come by that there were literally thousands. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. I would say thousands of screaming fans outside the MCG on the grass, all huddled together, screaming the lyrics, crying in tears. The passion from these like these fans, the absolute passion and the absolute just like, just like you could feel the yearning for them to be in there and you can't see anything. You can see sort of inside, but they've blacked it all out. So you basically, you can't even get a glimpse of Taylor unless you're spending money, right? If you're outside, you're not even getting a glimpse of her, but you could hear every single song from outside the MCG. It was actually so good that she started at 7.30. We stayed there till about 11 o'clock on the Friday night, just walking around, walking around the MCG, having a blast, right? Massive police presence, massive security presence, but such a well-behaved crowd that were literally just there, not to like cause any trouble, just to be there purely for the love of Taylor Swift and 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 to be amongst this energy. And you felt it. You felt so engaged. I could hear it from my balcony, from my apartment, the screaming, the cheering. It was phenomenal. Louder than I often hear the, the footy because they if you're not from Australia, they play football, Australian football at the MCG. I could hear, I hear that all the time, but just unbelievable. The loudness, it it was just, it was insane in the best way. Have never seen anything like it. And in terms of like, there was, there was a few funny moments there. Like, because most people were on the grass, but there's a, like a big kind of concrete area around the MCG as well. And we were standing outside one of the gates where I think was like the closest possible point you could be outside the stadium and and be the closest you could be to where Taylor was. So you could hear it really clearly, right? So we were standing there during the... I'm a Taylor Swift fans are going to hate me. I think it's fearless, which is the album with love story and you belong with me. So we were there for the fearless era and 
Taylor was singing Love Story and there were a bunch of people there and we were just jamming to Love Story. Bit of Romeo, take me. Loving it. Fantastic song. You can't not like it. So we're just jamming to it and then a police officer kind of comes past and he's like, hey guys, sorry, you, you can't stand here. You have to go stand over at the grass. You're not allowed to stand here. And I just kept singing at him, Romeo, take me. And he like just like kind of like looked at me and smiled and I was like, hey man, just let us stay till the end of this song. And he was like, all right, fine. It's a banger, right? So this, even this police officer was like, all right, fine. Enjoy the song and then please move on. So then we did. But we were just, I was just like singing in his face and he was like, yeah, okay, I get it. It was just like the power of this and I think what I want to speak to more so is like the power of fandom because I think a lot of people, particularly like a certain group of people, that generally tend to be like older, more conservative kind of commentate pop uh, commentators in general, social commentators on AM radio and, and shit are like, oh, what's the big deal with Taylor Swift? Like, why do all these bloody kids like her? She's not that good, right? But I think, and I and I think the other thing is there's a lot of, and this happens with everything, right? There's a lot of shaming of fans of Taylor Swift like oh, they're just like stupid girls who like are obsessed with her but it, it's uh, it's such a wrong move to characterize it in that way right because this is a thing I, and I posted this on Twitter on my Twitter the night of the concert because what I realize is that being a fan of anything is fundamentally being vulnerable because you're you're like and it's the same with like me and loving Blink-182, right? It genuinely is. It's like you're giving people kind of permission to to make fun of you. Like, you know, you're giving people ammunition to be like, Taylor Swift sucks or this, like, but you're, but you're just so passionate. And, and I, I just think passion for anything is so intoxicating. And that's why I was just so roped into this Taylor like to the whole Taylor Swift madness, right? There is nothing shameful about these fans. And and what I think is like, generally it's like these old white men who are commenting on like, what, Taylor's not that good, right? The thing is like each and every one of like the, I'm not trying to generalize, but generally like I saw a lot of young, passionate women outside the MCG on the weekend, just just loving every second of it. And, and I'm like, yeah, because- Taylor Swift's music speaks to them in a way that maybe no other artist does, right? The same way, again, like Blink-182's music has always really spoken to me. I've always really related to it, which is why I like sing every word, right? And these Taylor Swift fans are so engulfed in their passion and they feel like they are being heard and they are being spoken to in a way that they never have before by anyone else, which is why thousands of people are standing outside the MCG singing along to literally every lyric that Taylor Swift sings. And I think it's so beautiful and so phenomenal and like, for anyone to shame those people or hate them or tell them that they're stupid for doing that, you're completely missing the point, right? Absolutely missing the point. Taylor Swift speaks to people like her music is so almost universally relatable and every song that I hear now, I'm like, wow, this is like, this is really profound. This is like a really profound song with really, really like, 
really like human emotions, like really human lyrics. Like everyone has experienced something like this. And I don't know. I just think it's, I just think it's quite phenomenal. And the fan base that she's cultivated and everything around it is just to me unmatched. And I don't know if we'll ever see something like that again, not to mention like how much money Taylor Swift must be making when you think about like, $96,000 pay 96,000 people paying like say $200. I don't know the ticket prices, but $200 maybe average times three nights plus all the merch. Like it just, she's like, it's incredible. The amount of money that she must be making and, and the authenticity behind her and the music that she makes is great and she's so creatively involved in her music. She's not like half-assing it. She puts a hundred percent into every show and she's like self-made and you know what? I, I respect it so much. I respect her so much and I think she's just incredible. Um, and, and yeah, Friday night was such a good night. Like I basically got a kind of free Taylor Swift concert where you couldn't see her, but you could hear her really loudly. And then, from my apartment on the Saturday and Sunday, got the exact same thing and absolutely loved it. Wanted to do though, and uh, this was a really hard thing to, to, to do, is top five Taylor Swift songs from a casual straight white man's perspective. And I've narrowed it down and people are definitely going to disagree on this, but that's fine. Send in your own. What's the best Taylor Swift song? But here are mine. Number five This is counting up. Number five. Don't hate me. It's me. Taylor Swift and Brendan Urie from Panic at the Disco. Could be controversial because longtime listeners of this show will know that um, I did mark this as a rhyme crime back in the day when we had a segment called Rhyme Crime um, because it goes, I'm the only one of me, baby, that's the fun of me. Rhyming me with me, pretty bad. But number five, me. Number four, blank space. But I've got a blank space, baby, and I'll write your name. The thing about blank space is it's like, This album, 1989, came out, again, I'm going to say 2014, could be wrong, but you you knew at the time when we all heard it, I was like, I remember hearing it and I was like, this is just, this is a classic album. This is a classic pop album. No one will ever forget this record. This is like Thriller, you know? It's a record that everyone knows about, even if you haven't heard about, heard, heard it. It's like, it's like Thriller. This is 1989. And the best part is Taylor Swift isn't a pedophile. Number three from the same album, Shake It Off. Just an incredible song. Again, like great message, great fun, amazing song. Number two, number two, one of the newer ones, but I do think it's great, Antihero. It's me. Love this song, great pop banger, but also so relatable. It's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. Everyone can relate to that because everyone is the problem. Number one though, and I'm sorry, like this can't be number one. It's Love Story. 
And here's where I'll, I'll, I'll leave it. First of all, uh, another segment we did for a while on this show was misheard song lyrics in which Love Story featured because I used to think that when it says at the end, marry me, Juliet, you'll never have to be alone, as long-term listeners will know, I used to think it was Mary, comma, meet Juliet. And I was like, why is there suddenly like a lesbian relationship at the end? Is that the twist? Um Always thought it was Mary meet Juliet. Anyway, love story I remember coming out. I think it was 2009. It was really big here in Australia. And I genuinely remember being like, oh, yeah, just another kind of country singer-songwriter song. And lots of those artists came and went, you know. Gabriella Chilmi, nothing sweet about me. Always think of her, right? I remember thinking, not this. we're never going to hear from this girl again. Like Taylor Swift... She's just, this is a one hit wonder. And 15 years later, it's all we're hearing about. I was wrong again. I was absolutely wrong about it. And like, I'm glad I was because her music is so good. All right. I have to talk about this to, to finish up the show. Uh, well, then I'm going to talk a little bit more about some other stuff. But um, Madam Webb is one of the worst movies ever made. And I haven't even seen it, but I know this. Okay. If you are not aware of what Madam Web is, I'm going to explain it to you here, right? Madam Web is a, I guess, comic book superhero movie based on a Marvel villain, Madam Web, who is one of Spider-Man's villains, but it is not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that's kind of part of why I think this movie sucks so much, but I'll get into it. Stars Dakota Johnson and Sydney Sweeney, plus two other people don't know who they are. Doesn't even matter because this movie sucks. I'm not researching it. I don't care. Basically, I knew from the start that this movie was going to suck because this is from the same studio that made like the Venom movies and that Morbius movie, which was horrible. And here's here's the lowdown on why what these movies are, if you're totally unaware. Basically... There's the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? And then there's like this thing called the Sony Marvel Cinematic Universe. And what it is, is Spider-Man, the movie rights to the character of Spider-Man were owned by Sony. And they made the Spider-Man movies with Tobey Maguire. And then they made the amazing Spider-Man movies with Andrew Garfield. And then Spider-Man couldn't be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, even though he's one of their most popular characters, one of Marvel's most iconic characters. I would argue Spider-Man is probably the most iconic modern superhero. And when I think superheroes that everybody knows, I would think Superman, Batman, Spider-Man. They're the top three, I think. That, that's just, that's what I reckon most people would know. And so basically Marvel just wanted Spider-Man in the MCU so bad that they negotiated a deal with Sony where they could use the character of Spider-Man. That all went through. Tom Holland became the new Spider-Man for the MCU. But Sony still had rights to a bunch of the other Sony uh, Marvel characters in the Spider-Man universe. Hence why they started making these Sony Marvel Universe films that featured Spider-Man characters. For example, as I said, they made Venom, they then made Morbius, and uh, those films were pretty bad. Like, generally speaking, they were pretty average movies. And I actually think that Sony's goal with these movies is to use the properties they have license to, 
right? Use Morbius, use Madam Web, use Venom, who are all like Spider-Man villains in the comics, right? They want to use them and confuse average casual moviegoers, confuse them into thinking that they are Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, which they are not. But they want to be like, yeah, no, they are. And keep it all like ambiguous and like marketing wise, try to make it appear as though they are MCU movies to try and get casual people to think that and go and see them when they are not right. Personally, I think it's really bad for the wider Marvel brand. It's like diluting the MCU. People generally get confused about this stuff and don't know about it. And it really like, to me, it's a really bad idea, but I don't think Marvel can do much about it. And I knew this movie was going to be crap. I saw the trailers like this movie is definitely going to suck. And it does. I've watched a bunch of reviews. I've read a bunch of reviews. I've seen a lot of content around this movie. Apparently it is genuinely like a pathetic, disgraceful movie. And I think a really good sign that a movie is bad is when actors in the movie are doing like a press tour or a press junket or just general media around the movie. And you can tell in this media, in their press that they don't like the movie and you can tell that they are embarrassed by the movie and don't want to be associated with it, but they are contractually obliged to do these media kind of press junkets and press tours and stuff. It's in their contract. So they have to do it, but you can tell they hate the movie. They know it's a bad movie and they don't want to be associated with it, but they have to do it. Dakota Johnson, who is the main character in the film, who is a fantastic actor, by the way, in everything I've seen her in. Um, but she clearly, clearly knows this movie sucks and hates being associated with it. I've seen a lot. Um, I, I actually just saw a TikTok that was summing it up pretty, like had a bunch of moments from Dakota Johnson where it's just clear she does not give a shit about this and wants it in her past. Here's a little compilation. Dakota Johnson's chaotic Madame Web press tour. What do you see for the future of Madame Web? Well, it is a standalone world. Honestly, it depends if Sony's happy with how the movie does. I actually have not seen the final film, but I think the from what I saw, it looks really good. I never really saw myself in a superhero More film. Fun. Marvel movies are the most confusing, like having to know past storylines is so confusing. So I'm really grateful to be in one where you don't really have to know anything. I don't know the timeliness of her saying I haven't seen the final film, but like, come on, you haven't seen the final film. Like she clearly does not give a shit and clearly no one gives a shit. I think everyone during the production on this film knew it was a sinking ship and was like, fuck, we have to like pretend we care about this and pretend to market it. They, they all knew it was going to flop. Right. And then I think she just like, she clearly has no passion for the brand, which I get, but I don't think she should have, I don't know how she ended up in a lead role in this movie when she clearly doesn't have passion for the brand. Can you name the three Spider-Man uh, Tom Holland movies? Yeah. <laughs> should I just go on faith? Yeah. Oh. Spider-Man, here's, here he comes. Here he comes, yes. That's yeah. number one. Yep. Spider-Man, and he's back. And the other one, the last one is yeah. um, at, at uh, the Goblet of Spider-Man. <laughs> I think for me, like, it's clear to me she has no passion for this brand or, like, this movie at all. And, like, I think that's disappointing. I can understand why she's doing this. 
But it's clear to me that, yeah, she just doesn't care, but also that she didn't even put any work into, like, trying to understand the world or trying to understand the characters. She says she's, like, nev- hasn't read the comics, which I, I feel like if I was cast, you know, in a movie based on a source material, whatever it is, let's just say in an alternate universe I am cast as Professor Lupin in the new Harry Potter TV series and I've never read Harry Potter, I'm going to go and read Harry Potter to, like, completely understand this character. And I feel like that's base level for an actor. Like, that's your job. But I feel like I don't know how she's ended up in this role. Um, it, it, It does feel like maybe Sony's just paid a lot of money to get big names like Dakota Johnson and Sydney Sweeney, particularly Sydney Sweeney, who's very like hot at the moment. She's very known at the moment. Like, how do we get these people in our movies? Let's just give them a lot of money to get them to do this, even though they probably all knew it was going to be bad. It is really disappointing, but I don't know what anyone expected from this. Like any Sony Marvel universe movie is going to be shit and you shouldn't see it. And almost ready to say the same about general Marvel movies. Like I haven't seen a bunch of the last few and the ones I've had, I had were really bad. Uh, Funnily enough, tomorrow on the Pat and Mike show over on Patreon, patreon.com slash radio Mike, jump on. uh, We talk about the new Fantastic Four movie. So catch our thoughts on that there. Let's wrap and just quickly do one of these. The plug. Plug, as I said, the Pat and Mike show on Patreon, patreon.com slash Radio Mike. We really want to keep growing the Patreon. Would really appreciate it if you could jump on. If you get something out of this pod every week, please jump on. Of course, there will be a the second Movie Club episode next week. And that, uh, it's the movie Her from 2013. So make sure you catch that. That, though, is kind of where I want to start talking about future of this feed and future of my content generally. Of course, my blog is out tomorrow, uh, radiomike.substack.com, something like that. Content is really changing. And I this is all probably going to happen in the next few months. The most important thing I want to stress, and you'll keep hearing about this, but the most important thing I want to stress is that if you every week just like listening to 20th Century Boy, the podcast by me, Radio Mike, and that's all you want and you don't want anything else, that's what you want, then nothing is going to change. So please rest assured that like if all you want is like a 45-minute pod from me every week and it's this, then please know nothing is going to change for you. What is going to change loosely though is that this podcast feed and more and more podcasts are doing this kind of thing, just so you know, okay? This podcast feed gradually, I think, is going to shift into being more generally a Radio Mike Productions feed that's going to have sort of multiple series on it. And the first thing that we're likely going to do, which I think you will like, um, is the Pat and Mike show, which has been a Patreon exclusive for a very long time, uh, is going to become a, a public podcast um, that is an appendage to this pod, but also its own thing. Pat's been doing such a great job and we've both just been loving it. We're like, we want more people to hear this. But then we're like, do we start a new feed or do we just put it on the existing feed? And there's positives and negatives to both, but a lot of... Um, 
content creators and podcast networks are doing this now, um, particularly the very big ones. For example, um, if you're a follower of Tofop and Will Anderson's podcast, which I recently, uh, which I used to work on, they've now migrated all of their shows into one feed. The reasoning being it's just easier to direct your listeners to one place and easier to just, um, you know, sell to advertisers. Like I'd love to try and start getting proper sponsors on this show. Um, And it's just one feed for multiple things. And it's worked really well for them. Shameless, which is a massive podcast business here in Melbourne, they're now doing like a bunch of series on one feed. Like they have their weekly Shameless podcast and then they have like the – um. They have like their scandal series, which is every Monday, right? All on one feed. And basically what it's going to be is like, yeah, every Thursday as normal is 20th Century Boy. Every Friday is Pat and Mike. That's what it's going to be. And then last day of every month is the movie club bonus. If I go away somewhere, there'll be a world tour bonus. So generally it'll just be two episodes on this feed a week, but then just integrating to introduce new people, new content. Harry Potter and the Boys, my other pod, will stay its own thing. That's one thing I'm adamant about because it's a, it's a, I feel like it's a different show with a different audience. But this feed is going to be like the world of Radio Mike. And if you just like TCB, awesome. If you like Pat and Mike, if you want to try Pat and Mike, it'll be there. If not, don't. The thing was like when I launched, when we launched the movie club, which was the, which we did the first one last month, I was like, oh, I wonder if people will will listen to this. Like if they haven't seen the movie, surely they won't listen to it. The numbers were not only marginally lower than the main pod. So I was like, I guess people will listen to stuff on this feed. So that's what's made me want to do it. The Pat and Mike show is a, such a great offering. It's a lot more sort of, it, it's really fun, bantery and lighthearted. And uh, I think you guys will really like it. So Basically, if you the only thing that might annoy you is there might just be a couple more things popping up during the week that you just want to skip, and I hope that's okay. If anyone has huge problems or issues with this, I'd love for you to let me know, but for me, it's just about having all my content in one place and having this world instead of directing people to multiple different feeds and managing different accounts and all of that, which is a pain in the ass. A lot of, as I said, a lot of big podcasts are doing this, um, and I think it's the direction the industry is going. I think having a feed that just posts one episode a week, which is what it used to be, is starting to be outdated. And I want to keep up with the trends and I want to make more stuff. And I want to point people, you know, Radio Mike, me, I'm not, I don't want to just be like a podcaster now. Like my YouTube's growing. I get nearly like 200K views a month on YouTube, which is amazing for me. I make money there as well, so I'm focusing more on that because it actually pays me money. Um, and there still will be Patreon bonuses as well, so there's still incentive for the Patreon. Anyway, it's all happening. Let me know your thoughts. I would genu- genuinely love to hear your general thoughts on it. I hope it's okay. Um, but yeah, my name is Sim Radio Mike. This has been the inside of my mind, and I'll catch you next week. See you later. I'm not